Blog Talk Radio. Hello, we are waiting for Irene Northup to give us a call, so we're just waiting till she calls up. Hello, Irene. This is Leslie here. How are you? Very well, Leslie. How are you doing this evening? Great, great. So this is just a pre-interview about, you know, your legacy, your family's legacy. And I would like Mm -hmm. to start by asking you, you know, could you explain to the audience who you are and who you're related to? I am the great-great-granddaughter to Solomon Northrup. All right. And who is Solomon Northup? Who is Solomon Northup? Yeah. Well, everybody knows now in this day and age that he's the author of the book Twelve Years a Slave and movie which um the director Steve McQueen has brought to the attention of the world right now. Mm-hmm. Okay, now what did how did you learn about Solomon Northup? Now let us learn from you, your experience with um, learning about Solomon. Experience learning about Solomon was through my mother when I was a young child. Um, We were talking at one time about family, and I had asked her about my grandfather, who was a professional baseball player in his day and age, and uh, he was the grandson to Solomon. And so my mom gave me a bit of a, you know, a history, you know, going back to to Solomon and what he uh, had done, what he stood for, and what occurred, you know, to him in his lifetime mm-hmm. that everyone is aware of. Okay, so can you tell us in depth what she told you? Do you remember anything from that conversation? I that remember she said her specifically. To, mm-hmm. Well, let's put it this way: I was about seven years old at that time. So specifically, mm-hmm. no, I can't reiterate that. The only okay. thing I can tell you is that she did give me a book of mm-hmm. 12 Years a Slave, which belonged to my paternal grandfather. Okay? Mm-hmm. And in that book, she told me about, well, she told me that the book was The Life of Solomon and that Solomon was my great-great-grandfather, and she, you know, told me just step-by-step what had happened to him, you know, that he had been offered a a wonderful position with a circus and an orchestra because he was a a renowned fiddler in Saratoga, and um, he opted to go ahead and take that opportunity because uh, at that time the economy at Saratoga was not doing well. It was that uh, seasonal... Um, shift where for in the summertime a lot of people came who were well-to-do who took part in the baths there at Boston Spa and in Saratoga, the, the healing wells. And also there were those who came and participated at uh, the racetracks. So, you know, he he was able to do work 
and actually was an entrepreneur in himself and that he uh, um, worked in the Champlain Canal, had his own logging operation and, um, you know, did well with that. But with the change of season coming into, uh, we're looking more into fall and winter months, uh, work wasn't uh, readily available. So because these gentlemen came, they offered him a dollar a day and three dollars in the evening to play in this orchestra, he thought that was the most wonderful thing because at that time mm-hmm. he was only making maybe a buck a week. Wow. Imagine living on a dollar a week. <laughs> well, and, and supporting that time, himself you know, and three children. Right, right, a dollar a week. Okay. Now, when you looked at the book for the first time, there there are pictures in this book, isn't it? There is a lithograph, a pencil drawing in the beginning, which is mm-hmm. supposedly, uh, you know, uh, artist conception of uh, Solomon in his uh, slave uh, uniform. Mm-hmm. And there is another one in there which uh, shows him as he's greeting his family upon his uh, return from uh, being enslaved. Mm-hmm. Now, um, the audience may not know it, but you're Caucasian. The picture, yes, ma'am. The picture of Solomon is of an African American. It appears if you that were seven, way. Yeah. Right. If you were seven years old or eight year old, eight years old, did you ask any questions about him being African American and you being no, Caucasian? No, uh-huh. because in my family we are literally colorblind, believe it or not. And I know there's a lot of uh, disbelief in my saying that because Mm -hmm. I've gone and done um, panel discussions after the film and have um, had other discussions with other folks who say, oh, you can't be a part of Solomon. I mean, geez, your skin is white. And I'm telling you, you know, when I respond to them, I say to them, well, my great-great-grandmother was a quadroon, which means she had a quarter of African-American blood in her, a quarter African-American blood. She also had the blood of three other races, mm-hmm. one of them also being white. Mm-hmm. So, so, so we just say this, that, mm-hmm. that because Solomon was black, that the gene... And intermarriage doesn't change that? No, no. I would just think as a, you know, was this the first relative that you learned of that was African-American? Or you had African-Americans in your family prior to... My my African-American grandfather. Oh, okay. My father's father Mm -hmm. is African-American. Not 100%, but African-American. Okay. So was my father. So, you know, what am I supposed to do? Look at somebody and point fingers at them because of color? As I said, oh, I no, was no. in the community. I, I know if, uh, <laughs> Irene, I know if my grandmother had shown me a picture of my grandfather for the first time and I and, yeah. and he was of a white man, it wouldn't be as me pointing fingers at anybody. I would just... You know, be curious. So how did that happen? Why didn't I know about this earlier? 
You know, I have other early. Well, I know but it, it makes sense. I'm it very makes precocious sense because, too. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Well, if you had a black grand grandfather, a, a multiracial, like you said, if this is part of your family, it wouldn't be a shock to you. If you if right, you have a, right. you know, so I can I mean. see where you're coming from. Even right. in the community in which we were raised, it was a small community, a small farming community, mm-hmm. and nobody, you know, there mm-hmm. there was probably a higher percentage of white people there, but we also had African American people, we had Indian people, Native Americans, and we're you know, and this is in Port Byron, we support Auburn, Auburn. That's up there by Rochester? No, it's in uh, the central part of New York State. Syracuse? Do you oh. know Syracuse, New York? Yes, I've heard of it. I don't think I've been to Syracuse, but I've been up to Peterborough. No, I oh, haven't been some there. places. Okay. It's where the Underground right, Railroad, uh, con- I think people are, right. uh, have an organization yes. up there. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So, no. um, so oh, now I don't you've mean given to be us... argumentative. I'm just saying, you know, I wasn't uh, uh, sensitized to stereotyping, you know, that this seems so common. And the only way that I can relate to that type of um, mm-hmm. mentality is when mm-hmm. my father um, took us to Florida. Mm-hmm. And we only went to Florida because he had found a job, you know, and, and everything was going to be, you know, hunky-dory. Wow. Right. When we get to Florida, mind you, we were on the borderline of civil rights before it truly, truly got totally out of hand. Mm-hmm. And and while we were down there, my father, you know, he would, we went down uh, Route 1, I remember, through mm-hmm. in, into Georgia. Georgia, I thought, was the worst state to, to be a, a biracial family. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we lived in Florida and Jacksonville for a year. And during mm-hmm. that time, it, to me, it was very traumatic. It, it was. Mm-hmm. It, it made you think of who you are and what what you were constantly. You know? Right. Yes, because you you go, you go out in the street and you're walking, and um, you know you meet up with a bunch of white folks, or you know even two people, or one person doesn't make any difference. But it's almost like you have to step aside on the sidewalk and let them pass. I mean, they're like. Uh, <laughs> they're but you identify if we were to see you, we would identify you as a, a, a white woman. So why would you have to step aside? Um, because my siblings were with me, and my siblings are not all 100% white. Oh, this is, this is intriguing. This is unique. This is a, a real fascinating story that your family has this mm-hmm. dynamic, this makeup. So you got to yeah. see life. During the sixties, and in a I got I got to spend both sides of the fence, Leslie. Let's put it that right. way. Right. Right. And it right. was it was a good it was a good life experience, mm-hmm. you know, from from one mindset. But then again, it was mm-hmm. very, as I said before, very traumatic, because you know, even living in the community that we did with the various. Uh, ancestry that was there 
You know, we, mm-hmm. we didn't have that kind of um, friction, you know, and it really, I don't know, it makes you think and wonder where people's minds are. I mean, you've right. got the people that carry the Holy Bible around and pump on that and say, oh, you've got to do this, that, and the other thing, but yet that same individual will look on his neighbor who might be, you know, of a different uh, religion or of a different color, uh, tradition, culture, and denigrate mm-hmm. that individual, you know. Right, right, and hold the Bible at the same time. Correct. Right, it's yes. very hypocritical. Yes. Um, how yes. long did you stay in Jacksonville, Florida? We lived there for a year. And, oh, one year, and, that was um, enough. One year. And, well, we probably would have been there longer, but my mom's dad passed away. And mm-hmm. um, anyways, uh, my mom had to leave and come on home to be with her mother. And mm-hmm. um, she ended up having to care for my, for my grandmother. That's, that's all. Okay, okay. All right, so you were in Jacksonville, and and um, you moved back to New York, upstate New York. Uh huh. And, yeah. and you're around. How old were you? I'm just wondering when you moved back to upstate New York. Uh-huh. I was. Um, I started in. Uh, let me see. I went. Uh, we went back, and I started in my um, junior high. Um, mm-hmm. Junior high uh, and high school. I was in junior high. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, 11th let's grade. Get, 11th grade, okay. So let's go mm-hmm. back to Solomon Northup. Now, we know mm-hmm. that your grandma, it, it was your grandmother or your mother that showed you the book? My mom. Your mom showed you the book. When mm-hmm. did you learn, when did you find out about Solomon Northup from someone outside the family? Did you ever have a conversation with anyone? About Solomon? Someone outside of the family? Yeah. No, no. No, we never had, nobody ever came up to us and said anything that wasn't, uh, you know, a family member. No. He was very obscure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when when was the first time? Where we were, Mm -hmm. where we were actually, you know, the location where we were, uh, no Mm -hmm. one knew about Solomon because Solomon was, uh, well, they call it upstate, low, Saratoga. We were in mm-hmm. more the the middle, uh, the central part of the state, and nobody really knew anything. They're lucky they knew who the governor was. <laughs> well, I don't mean that you know to be you. totally facetious. <laughs> well, I know, but you know what? I'm too old to care. But. <laughs> But the funny thing okay, is, right. you know, you, you you listen to a lot of people talk today, and I'm totally amazed at some of the comments that are being made, you know, in reference to, to Solomon, and it seems like everybody right and left wants to get on this wonderful money train that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, is now being, uh, that's now in, you know, the public eye. And you wonder what for, because you never knew him. You never were a part of our family, you mm-hmm. know. And, and it just seems like everybody wants wants something. Yeah. You know? 
and and I find it very very hard at times mm-hmm. to 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 listen to a lot of things and yeah I'm I'm not so much argumentative but I am one who will be very steadfast and guarded but I also will right. check right. that way. Okay, so um did who was the first person you shared the book your knowledge of Solomon North in this book who did you share your knowledge outside my knowledge family with? or within and outside we'll my talk family about outside we'll do both we'll I'll ask you both questions within the family I and like outside. to tell you what tell uh, outside of my family during uh, one of my I'm a registered nurse. Mm-hmm. I had the opportunity to work in community health nursing, which I did. I also mm-hmm. worked in a building that tended to geriatric individuals, um, you know, doing their care, monitoring their medications, and doing assessments and so forth. Underneath mm-hmm. me, the caregivers, those lovely, wonderful, sweet ladies, tended to mm-hmm. our elder population were primarily African-American. Some of them were from the islands, from Jamaica, mm-hmm. and others were from America. Okay. Um, but what I never shared with anybody, and I don't, is that, you know, part of my being is African-American. And mm-hmm. I never have publicized the fact that I have an ancestor who wrote a book. I never have publicized the fact that I have ancestors who played semi-professional baseball and pro baseball. I don't want mm-hmm. to to be, I don't know what the word is, I don't want to be patting myself on the back for something that someone else did. Right. I don't know if you can understand that. Okay. I will say, while I was working with our ladies, um, Mm. there was an incident, um, and one of the young women uh, did not like me. She thought I was too strict. Well, there is a certain protocol. Everyone has to, you know, stay within certain boundaries, and I'm responsible for that to be implemented and held to. And anyways, through the process, we had a discussion, and there was an issue that had to be taken care of. I had a one-on-one with the individual, and we agreed upon a certain uh, manner that things were to be done. To make a long story short, she accused me of being... um, (laughs) I don't even want to say the word. She accused me of hating her because she was african-american and that's not the word she used it was more cursive than that mm-hmm. but one evening i saw her uh, and she was tending to uh, uh, one of our people and um she was doing a one-on-one project with him uh, it was christmas time and she was teaching him how to decorate a stocking it was just a construction paper Um, type of thing, but she was giving of herself, which I hadn't seen before, and bringing this gentleman who was very reticent, um, did not talk a lot, but gave him something to do, and he started to feel that he was needed. 
okay? Mm-hmm. So I'm mm-hmm. seeing that positive energy being generated into someone, you know, who would probably have ended up being a wallflower. And I complimented her on that, you know, and I said, this is, this is so wonderful to see you in a different picture and to really feel that your heart is in your, your job. So right. mm-hmm. at that same evening, I had brought my, my uh, paperback, 12 Years a Slave, with me, and I was going to show it to another lady um, because she asked some questions and I wanted to show her the book. So, anyways, the other girl that I was having problems with who was calling me a racial bit, um, I showed her the book instead. And I said to her, I'm going to let you take this book. I want you to bring it back to me in two weeks. And after that, we'll have a discussion. So I did give her the book. Two weeks later, we met, we had a discussion. And I asked her how she felt about the book. And she told me, you know, how she felt about it and how cruel the treatment was in it. And yet, you know, she realized that this was part of that world, you know, 200 years ago. Actually, more than that, but 200 years ago at the time. And um, I told her that this person who wrote the book was my great-great-grandfather. And she couldn't believe me. You know, she thought I was mm-hmm. telling her a lie. And I said to her, and no, your last I, name am, is I am dead serious. Well, I guess she didn't know your maiden name. <laughs> Your maiden name is Northup. No, 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 no. We, we, no. I was married at that time, wearing my wedded name. But anyways, we had this discussion and so forth and so on. And you know, shortly after that, I won't say shortly, like two days, but shortly, like within another week or so, um, she started to come to me and ask me different questions about the book. And we developed a rapport, and, you know, that sharing, you know, Mm -hmm. opened the door, you know, and I was able to understand her as well as her being able to understand me more. So it wasn't like we were kindred spirits or anything, but we developed a relationship that was uh, a mutual, uh, amicable, you know, heartfelt relationship. We never looked at each other, and I don't think she looked at me in the same way twice either. Right, right. <laughs> wow. That's a very powerful it was, story. Do you share that when you give your presentations? No, 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 no. I don't okay. do I'm glad like you're that, so comfortable. No. I'm glad you shared it with us on a gist of freedom. Now, tell us about the first time you talked about following with a family member. Oh my when you were sake. doing the sharing. Oh, I taught. I well, let's begin with my kids, and my children. I've always been, you know, I'm very open. I I don't like things that are, you know, hidden in closets, even though there might be skeletons someplace, but I don't know where they are. But um, no, I've been sharing the story, you know, about my pedigree, if you will, and mm-hmm. uh, with my kids since they were little people. Little, mm-hmm. I mean. <laughs> you know, about 10 years old or so, so they'd be able to understand, you know, what, what I was talking about or coming from. So, but. Mm-hmm. So did you sit them down and give them the book and say you have to read this book? Each or, one of them you know, has, has a copy of the book. 
Each one mm-hmm. of them has a copy of that book. They have a copy of um, um, uh, Mr. Fisk book that came out uh, before the one with him and uh, Professor Brown and Rachel Sligman. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know they 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 have a trail. They have the beginning, the number one. Then they have you know the other ones that have built on to his story. Yeah, I mm-hmm. have two copies of Hugh Eakin's um, annotated uh, book, mm-hmm. along with some other books that she wrote. Yeah. yeah. I love books. <laughs> I see, I see. And I can tell you, that's a writer, too. Um, how is it that you that you came about doing your first speaking engagement about South Northup? How did it what? Come about. Tell us about your very first public speaking engagement about Simon Northup? Mm. Well, I did in, when I was in college in my, uh, I think my junior year, I had a paper um, to present uh, in uh, culture, culture and traditions. Um, so and diversity. So that mm-hmm. was the, the the individual that I used, but I used my family. You know, okay. I, I didn't I didn't use my family. And the fact that I used um, names like I didn't use my mother's name or anything like that. I just uh, used um, a hypothesis. Uh, you know of a fictional character, if you will, but put mm-hmm. their background, you know, their 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 um, ancestry into that context. And in the course of doing that, when I did the presentation, you know, one of the girls commented that it almost seemed like something that she had seen before. And mm-hmm. I asked her what she meant by that, and she said, well, she had found this book in a library, and it was really, you know, quite an old book. And I said, well, what part of a library did you find quite an old book in? She said she was in the archives doing some research. <laughs> so evidently, from what she had said, is that she did come across uh, references to Solomon Northrop. Mm-hmm. And I said to her, that's quite interesting. And we went on and talked a little bit about him, and I told her that, um, you know, that he was related to me. And, of course, like most people, they don't, you know, they say, oh, my God, really? How can that be? Well, well, I want to uh, thank you for sharing the story. Um, This is all private. This is not a public conversation. But um, Mm. the next conversation. Oh, what are you doing tomorrow, Leslie? Tomorrow, Leslie. We're going to. I have something exciting to tell you. Uh I am going to go to the elementary school that my granddaughter goes to, and I am going to present um, Solomon to the second grade class. (laughs) I have have a um, family tree that represents how my granddaughter is related to Solomon. I Mm -hmm. built the brig Orleans that carried Solomon from Richmond down to Louisiana. <laughs> and I have a copy okay. of the manifest 
that um, tells the story of Solomon and how his name, Solomon North, was not on the manifest, but the name given to him was Platt Hamilton. Mm-hmm. And that is the time when Solomon realized that now his freedom was definitely gone. He did wow. not have a name. Terrible. No. Yeah, that movie was uh, very powerful. Uh, what did you think of it? Anything in the movie that you thought they should have um, covered? I would like to have seen more of the trial, you know, that Solomon attempted to take these two gentlemen to trial that had, you know, confiscated him, kidnapped him, however you want to term it. I also mm-hmm. would like to have seen the part in the movie or the part in the book where um oh my goodness, it escaped me just now. Mm. What about the petition? Oh, I know. No, 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 no. The, the the part in the book where Henry Bliss Northrup is the one who went and rescued Solomon. It was not the storekeeper that was shown in the movie. Oh, it was Henry? Solomon's, it was Solomon's friend, Henry Northrup, that rescued him, that went, had uh, been notified by Anne, and had gone ahead and, you know, gotten all the paperwork together and petitioned for him to be uh, released. Right, right. And they petitioned the governor, right? Yes. All of that stuff was deleted, well, it wasn't shown in the movie. Yeah, I was quite disappointed, very much so. Because I was disappointed in that because it, it left people asking the question, well, how did he get his freedom? <laughs> I mean, what's the backstory? story? <laughs> right. The backstory was absent. That was the main part of the story. That that was so fascinating that they were able to use the law. You know? Right, right. And right. this is a person who is currently enslaved writing letters and because of his education and his ability to write and read mm-hmm. he was able to survive and help um free himself and and that's the story that is never told through these slave movies um you know well, I think this is the liberation right right and the thing they don't show too you know Solomon was an educated man i mean probably right. not college you know, quality or degree, but he was an educated man. Mm-hmm. And he was a young boy. Right. He did go to school along with Henry North, the man who eventually rescued him. I mean, he did know how to read. He did know how to write. He did know how to calculate. I mean, he couldn't have ran his own business, for goodness sake, if he hadn't had that talent, you know. Right. And, mm-hmm. and it's so sad. You know, that movies depict, and, and if you go back to birth, have you ever seen the movie Birth of a Nation? I heard of it. I, I know what it's about, but go ahead. Well, if you saw that movie, and, and you really, all the, all the actors who are playing African Americans are white people in blackface. Mm-hmm. Okay. And right. all that story talks about is the birth of a nation, the one the birth of the Ku Klux Klan. That's what it's talking about. 
Mm-hmm. And where are all of these African Americans? You know, they're all belittered, you know, made less than what they are. You know, and if you look mm-hmm. at some of the other movies they have followed thereafter, you know, they picture, you know, the the African American as being, you know, like a donkey, if you will, a a, a person who whose only worth is to be uh, treated like an animal. You know, right. And, and it's not fair. You know, goodness sakes, we ha- there are so many intelligent. Individuals, everyday people, the guy on the street who probably has this, it, so much value and worth in, in the comments that he makes and, and maybe something technological that he has found and practiced and can offer as, you know, somebody else's uh, joy to implement in some work that they do. Right. Uh, you know, every time somebody looks at an African-American, all we do is, you know, we have a hair in the back of our necks rise up. And all we do is think that individuals going to come at us with a gun or a knife. I mean, that, that's the picture we see. Look what happened down uh, down in Florida with these kids. You know? Oh, my goodness. Right. Sake. Right. But, and that's what the media anyway, takes us. Mm-hmm. The media yes, well, I, does I it? it? Yes. But so yes. do your neighbors. Mm-hmm. Your neighbors do that, too. Yes, so true. we all try to think we can do better, and I pray to God, you know, the little bit of stuff that I will be talking to these little children about tomorrow, uh, I just want to give them the the ability to have some empathy, you know, to right. feel. Right. Oh, and we're going to be doing cotton, too. I've got raw cotton coming in from a cotton farmer. <laughs> and we're going to be picking cotton. <laughs> Oh no! Oh, oh yes, and it's raw cotton. It's raw cut. And raw, what, so will it have those, those uh, seeds in there? Yes, will it have ma'am. the seeds. I heard the seeds and was really treacherous on the fingers. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. All right. So um, I want to thank you for your time. We went way over your. Uh, Schedule half hour conversation, but it was so interesting. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, that, that's a great thing. That's a great thing. And um, so um, I'll be giving you a call hopefully tomorrow, and we'll give you a time when we'll have a public conversation with the host. So I just want to thank you again, and we'll you know, we'll be in touch tomorrow. All right, Leslie. Any given time thank- that you're going to be calling me? Hopefully by eight o'clock. You know, I'm going to try to... Oh, in the evening. Um, yeah, before 8. No. Oh, okay. Well, after after 3 o'clock will be fine. Okay, at 3. I get off right. at 3, so... All right. Sounds well. like a plan. All right, my dear. You have a good night. Right. Take care. God you bless too. you. Bless you, Bye-bye. Too. Bye-bye. Thank you. <laughs> 